2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 16. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, for I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you. I'm filled with comfort. In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I don't regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what, in, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. For whatever boasts I made to him about you, I was not put to shame. But just as everything we said to you was true, so also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So we've talked about how 2 Corinthians is a basically a reconciliation letter. Paul has had some, he's had some words with the people of Corinth and specifically in 1 Corinthians, um, you know, he, he was dealing with some real junk. They were getting drunk on communion wine. Uh, one of their members was sleeping with his dad's wife. Like it, it was like this whole thing. Uh, and, Paul wrote a really heavy-handed letter and you know and then there was all this division over him and Apollos and just a big mess. So this is a very important passage in the book of 2 Corinthians because basically Paul is rejoicing in their repentance and how when they had hit rock bottom in Macedonia Titus came to them and encouraged them with the encouragement that he received from these friends at Corinth. And so uh, basically this is a very uplifting passage. And, you know, we have a lot of sort of biography going on here. You know, Paul talking about Titus and Macedonia 
and Paul's relationship with Corinth. But then we have this really, really, really awesome theological nugget in the middle, which is the two types of grief over sin, godly grief and worldly grief. And godly grief, we read, it produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. And so it's a grief that actually eradicates regret. And then worldly grief produces death. Um, so Greg, what are, what are your thoughts on everything going on here and just this beefy boy passage? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think the first thing that strikes me is, um, I, I wonder if I ever, um, take this kind of joy in, um, in the journey of, of other brothers and sisters, Mm. you know, um, I wonder if I ever, not that I've ever written anyone a letter as severe as Paul wrote <laughs> in First Corinthians, but I wonder if I ever just look at brothers and sisters in the church or, you know, maybe ones I don't even know, I just hear about, and I take great joy uh, in their repentance mm. and their return to faith and take that as encouragement. I think that in, in today's world, we often, people want to kind of want to catch, you know, whether they're famous Christians or they're just Christians that they know, they kind of want to, there's always an assumption there's something going on and they want to be caught in sin. And then there's sort of a, almost like a perverse need to watch this person be punished. But do we actually oh, take man. great joy in seeing people reconciled back together, whether it's it's a reconciliation to God, whether it's a reconciliation between brothers and sisters? Do I take joy in that? And I think I find that incredibly convicting. Yeah. The words that he uses, he's so vulnerable. Um, like, I don't know if I've, uh, uh, just if I've ever told another Christian that I rejoice in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such a beautiful thing to say. And yeah. I think that one one of the things that the lessons can be taken from this, just from his joy, is how completely vulnerable he is with the Corinthians about these brothers and sisters about why he said the things to them that he said and what he was hoping to produce and the joy it creates in them that they repented. And that do we do that? I think I think that we often it's just a tendency of all people to sort of Sunday morning you see people, hey, how's it going? I'm good, everything's good, you know. Mm-hmm. You just kind of move on with your life. Uh, as opposed to sort of talking about being vulnerable to each other about our struggles um, and rejoicing with each other when we're reconciled. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my first thought. I think my second thought is the is the the grief that produces repentance, that mm-hmm. leads to salvation. Yeah. What a picture of, I didn't write to you and tell you you were doing these things that were wrong so I could tell you you were wrong. I hope to produce in you repentance, repentance that leads to salvation, repentance that leads to reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that once again, I think our human tendency is to be like, that guy over there is doing something wrong. I'm going to let him know. Mm. Uh, and your intention, your intention isn't really to produce repentance. Mm. Your intention and my intention is often just to let him know. Yeah. To bust and, that guy's face. Right. With, as opposed with to saying, truth. you know what, man, like, you know, delivering that message in a way that is while truthful at the same time, you're designing it to hopefully they will repent, not just, you know, convict them. Hey, you're doing wrong things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that is so resonant with, you know, what Paul's already said, that we're ambassadors, that we're in the mi- mm-hmm. ministry of reconciliation. We implore you be reconciled to God. That 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 is the whole, you know, and we've talked some about uh, just the sort of spiritual watchdog, like blog slash podcast culture. Yeah. Like literally name a mainstream church, whether like from any theological tradition, and I could like find a blog post and a podcast about all the heresy and like terrible yep. stuff. And, you know, like not even to validate or devalidate any of that, but it's like how much of that sort of stuff that we produce is 
like you said, like coming from this desire for restored obedience and joy Mm -hmm. and how much of it is just like, look how right we are and how wrong they are. And so I, I totally agree. And, you know, I think 16, like I can just only imagine how powerful and encouraging, like for him to say, I rejoice, I have complete confidence in you. Like, I think if like, you know, your like mentor, like someone you like most respected or led you to Christ or whatever called you up today. I was like, I have complete confidence in you. Like what a powerful and like uplifting thing. And so that really just is a great model for how we ought to move towards one another and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I do want to circle back to this godly grief versus worldly grief. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to know sometimes what is the Holy spirit and what is you like the voice in your head Mm -hmm. and specifically when it comes to conviction and sin and, you know, there's for this reason, a lot of times we can be given, especially if we're in a more like religiously like pious state, we can be given towards this type of asceticism Mm -hmm. where we deprive ourselves of comfort and we bash ourselves on the rocks over our flaws, over our shortcomings. And, you know, it's like kind of the, the dude in the scarlet letter. Like we lock ourselves in a closet and like whip ourselves. And, um, it's, it feels justified because Mm -hmm. it's like, we're calling sin bad and we're punishing ourselves. And verse 10 was, was such a, a key thing for me. Draws one of the easiest ways to know is, is this grief that I'm feeling over sin? Is it the condemnation of the enemy, of mm-hmm. the accuser? Am I like listening to the lies of the accuser or am I listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? I think one really key litmus test is regret. Yeah. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. And so repentance that leads to salvation is, you know, first step. But a key component that it's without regret Mm -hmm. that we're not held captive by the hypothetical, like, I wish I hadn't, you know? And obviously in one sense, um, it's not like we don't regret sin. Like there, there's a natural level of like, I wish I hadn't done that, (laughs) that you should feel as someone who like is being sanctified, but to be held captive by regret, that is never a fruit of the spirit, you know, that, we we are people who look forward to the cross of Christ. And, you know, as Paul has said in Second Corinthians, that thanks be to God, to Christ, who leads us always in triumphful procession. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're marching forward in triumph as ambassadors. And we leave our sin and condemnation behind us. And so the regrets and like those feelings of shame that hold us captive, those actually produce death. And that is worldly grief. And how great news that we've been, how great of news that we've been, you know, liberated from that, Yeah. that we don't submit to that. So I don't know if you have any other. Yeah. I think that, you know, to me, you know, I look at um, the end of chapter five where it says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Mm-hmm. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I think part of, you know, sort of that earthly, earthly sorrow um, mm-hmm. that, that um, produces death is you're really not giving your sin to Christ mm. if you're holding on to regret for it. Totally. And I remember when I was very young, I had a 
before I became a Christian, I had a pretty serious sin in my life uh, that hurt a number of people. And years later, when I became a Christian, I, I reconciled myself to them. But I remember for the longest time, I could not, I just couldn't forgive myself for mm-hmm. this. And I just, you know, I was always hanging over me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized that I really had never, I really never given it to Jesus. Mm. I really wanted a little bit of the punishment for myself. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to put it on the cross. I wanted to feel bad about it. Right. And in some sense, in a perverse way, you're almost seeking to justify yourself. Like yeah. this is so Through bad. Pain. Yes. This is so bad. I'm, I need a little self mortification here, Jesus. I, I can't give this yeah. to you. And, and it was only when somebody uh, said to me, like, um, you know, Jesus already forgave you for that. So you need to, you need to stop. Like, you need to stop holding on to it. And I realized like, and this is this, what's so scandalous about grace is Christ really does take all your sin and shame. <laughs> so the thing that you're holding on to that you did, whatever it is that you feel bad about that you're like, I am an awful person. He literally took the punishment for that upon himself, Absolutely. which includes the shame Absolutely. that includes the shame of it. He took it and you think to yourself, but I deserve that. And yes, that's the whole beautiful yeah. thing is yeah we do deserve yeah. that and he takes it for us yeah that's who jesus is and so i think that when you when you have that you're holding on to the regret of your sin it's because you really don't want to give it all up to jesus yet yeah. and so if you are holding on to it then i think you 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 pray about it and you simply open like he said in the previous in the previous chapter widen your heart and let jesus take the sin and the shame from you Absolutely, um, and it leads to freedom. It leads to a salvation without regret and understanding that He has taken it all. Amen. I mean, I, I think that is just so so good and so true. Like we, when we hold on to our sin, we're basically saying, "Okay, Jesus died, but like I need to be crucified too." Right. Like that's that's regret. Right. That's worldly regret. Is Jesus was crucified, and I need to be crucified too, um, but not in the like, you know, sharing with Him in His sufferings way, but like in this way that like Christ is not sufficient, right. like his, his suffering and his death is not sufficient yeah. for, to forgive this, um, in which we're minimizing Christ and we're magnifying our sin. And, you know, I, I think like a great practical, uh, example that I, I preached on this passage in February and, um, a great, like two passages to read alongside of this are the, the story of Peter denying Christ and the story of Judas betraying Christ. Mm. Both of them betray Christ at the very end. Um, you know, and Judas, both of them realize they've made a grave mistake. Judas sees Christ condemned and he he freaks out. He tries to undo it. Um, he feels guilty. He recognizes that it's sinful and he, he actually tries to undo it and he's so taken in the regret of his decision Mm -hmm. that he kills himself and he, he tragically ends his own life. Um, and Peter also, you know, filled with sorrow and grief over his sin. He, he waits. And then when Christ, when the rumor that Christ might be risen comes to the upper room, Peter, you know, he, he's not scared. He doesn't run to hide um, as you might if you're filled with regret over Mm -hmm. what you've done to somebody. But he actually runs to the very one that he offended, the very one that he denied, knowing that the only hope is that he would be forgiven, Yeah, that that would be restored. 
And so his sorrow leads to salvation without regret. So, and then, um, you know, I think it's so cool. Like Peter, he, his great fear was that he was going to be crucified with Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why he like denies Christ and Peter, he, he's restored Christ, you know, reconciles to him, gives him a ministry, gives him purpose. And then at the end of Peter's life, he, he's basically comes back to the same crossroads. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he chooses faithfulness to Christ and um, he, he's crucified and dies as a martyr for Christ and enters into his kingdom. And so it, it really is amazing that, uh, that we can grieve over our sin yet run to the one that we have offended and be mm-hmm. forgiven and then leave all regret and condemnation behind us. Praise so, Jesus. Praise Jesus. All right. Well, man, I love this passage so much. So I hope you spend some more time meditating, meditating on it today. For Greg Conley, this is Will Carlisle, and we hope to see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.